Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Hi, I'm Dr. T. Cab Shaber. Do you or someone you know suffer from don't serve at all? Don't serve at all, also known as consumeritis. This is a severe spiritual condition that occurs when a believer refuses to move from growing to producing. Symptoms include extreme laziness, selfishness, a me, me, me attitude, and an unwillingness to share time and talents. But don't worry, there's a cure. For a free 99, you can sign up at the ministry tables and select the area of service that works for you. Tech team, greeting team, children's ministry, and the list goes on. Operators are standing by. So what are you waiting for? Move your caboose and let's produce. Side effects may include thankfulness, happiness, humility, and a new appreciation for our staff and volunteers. Hey, that was awesome. Hey, Daryl, has Harvey Weinstein uh, called you yet to be in movies? Hashtag me neither. Yeah. Um, if you have your Bibles, how about we change gears a little? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're going to look specifically at verses 6 through 11. I want to make uh, reference to a couple others there in that text. Um, there are different kinds of sermons. You, you know this if you've been in church for very long. There are, some, there are proclamation messages where you're just, thus saith the Lord, just proclaiming the word of the Lord uh, in, in a, just a real straightforward kind of way. There are storytelling sermons. There are teaching sermons where there's a lot of, a lot of great note-taking that can take place for follow-up. Um, there are gospel sermons, just, just proclaiming the gospel just sharing uh, what we used to call the four spiritual laws, the Roman road to salvation, and, and giving an invitation for the lost to be saved. And then sometimes there are those sermons where you get your toes stepped on a little bit. There's a little bit of meddling by the pastor. Jeff says sometimes you might feel like he's been reading your mail kind of a thing. Today, we, we want to kind of step on your toes a little bit, but, but watch this before we get into the text. We, we don't want to try to motivate you with guilt as you think about making a difference in this church and in our community, and primarily for the glory of God. We don't, we don't want you, you might sense a little bit of guilt, but we don't want you to get caught up in that guilt. Does that make sense? Guilt can motivate, guilt's a great motivator, but guilt as a motivator does not last more than a few days and definitely not more than a week. It just doesn't work. What, we're hope that you, what we hope that you're motivated by is a desire to make a difference, first and foremost, for the glory of God. First and foremost for Him. Again, Colossians 1.16, if the Lord calls me home one of these days soon or a long time down the road or whatever His will is for my life, I hope that you'll remember something that we say all the time 
when we have the opportunity to speak to the youth or in here. And that is a, a good paraphrase of Colossians 1.16. I was created by God, for God, for the glory of God. Would you say that out loud with me? I was created by God, for God, for the glory of God. That's why you exist. You don't exist to worship. Worship is not life. You don't exist to, br to bring money into your family and feed your kids. That's not what it's all about. Your primary reason for existing is to glorify God. Now listen, there are lots of other things that are important in Scripture. But once you give your life to Christ, it is clear that just like all of creation, just like everything that God has, has spoken into existence, you were created for one reason, and that's to glorify God. And if you want motivation to be a better man or woman of God, if you want motivation to be a better husband or wife, if you want motivation to be a better parent, if you want to be better at whatever God has set before you in your life, if you begin to get a grip on the fact that you were created to glorify God, you will have the motivation and the energy and the wherewithal and the focus and the perseverance that you need to accomplish that glorification of the Almighty God. Now, I can't overstate that, but I'm trying to overstate it so that you recognize that we're, trying, we're not here this morning to try to make you feel guilty to go to a ministry table and, and, and sign up because guilt is going to last for a week. and We need you for a, for a long time. Your primary reason is to glorify God. Secondly, we hope that the love of this body, that that motivates you secondary to the glory of God to serve, that you love each other and you love our staff and our paid workers and our volunteers who volunteer all the time. We hope today that you'll make a difference, secondly, because of your love for this body and for the love for the people here. Also, not just those working, but your love for, for the folks that we're trying to minister to. Now, listen, a little side note here, a little rabbit. You may have a spiritual gift, and we're not going to get into the spiritual giftedness of this text. We're going to look at a couple of key points to motivate us this morning. But you, let me tell you, the best Bible teacher at River Road Baptist Church when I pastored out there for six and a half years was not me. There was a guy in the church who was just at a whole other level of scriptural exposition. He could take a look at the history. He could take a look at the text. He could get illuminated by the Holy Spirit, and he could deliver a, a teaching, a, a set of teachings and some application that was just phenomenal. And I had started, I coached and taught at, at River Road for one year and was pastoring at River Road Baptist Church. And I started a Bible class, and I, I taught three periods a day. I had about 80 or 90 kids. The first semester was Old Testament. Second semester was New Testament. And I had to be gone second semester for something, and I asked this individual to fill in for me teaching my New Testament class to high school students for three, for three periods, first three periods of the day. And he was terrible. He had, he had no effect upon those kids. They thought he was the most biggest dork on the face of the earth. They had no idea that he had ever read the New Testament before. And I was shocked. I was shocked. So that day I called him and I said, hey, John, let's meet for lunch. I want to talk about uh, the other day when you filled in for me. And I said, how'd it go? And he was like, it was terrible. Those kids didn't get anything from me. I'm like, you're the greatest Bible teacher in the whole church. What happened? He said, I have no idea. I love the word of God. I thought I loved teenagers, but I think I hate them. 
And, and here's what I discovered on the practical side of things. He had a God-given spiritual gift, but he did not have a burden and love for teenagers. And there's a difference in there, Pastor Tommy. You, you may have a love for the Word of God, but you better be applying the Word of God through your spiritual gift in the context in which God wants you to do it. Does that make sense? And that's what we want for you as we look at this text. We want you to see things the way God sees them, to, to hear what he's saying to this very strange and bizarre church. About 25 years after Christ ascended into heaven, Paul writes this letter to the church at Corinth. And I've heard somebody say before, boy, I wish our church was more like the church at Corinth. And I'm like, you haven't read the whole book. Because there's some messed up stuff going on in the church at Corinth. And Paul's primary goal is to try to address that and correct it and, and then empower it with the Holy Spirit so that he can come alive in them instead of all the goofiness that's going on in their fellowship. So that's where we find ourselves today. That was a little bit more of an intro than I wanted to give you. We find ourselves in a letter that Paul wrote around A.D. 55, about 25 years or so after Christ ascended into heaven. And he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's trying to correct some stuff. And we're going to pick up in verse 6 in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of working, he says, but the same God works all of them in all men. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation or the demonstration is another word that could be translated there. Now to each one, the manifestation or the demonstration of the Spirit is given for the common good. You know what it says there? The word there for common good is, we'll say more about this in a minute. The word there for common good is symphron. We get, they didn't have them then in the ancient Greek as the etymology of the word developed, but we get the word symphony from it. Look at verse 7 again. Now to each one the demonstration of the Spirit is given for the symphony, for the enjoyment, for the profit. You'll find translation, Dr. Phillips translates the word there for the profit of all. Not profit as in cash, you know, net cash kind of a thing, but for the good, for the, for the profit, for the, for the symphony of everybody. For everyone to experience the little nuances from every direction and every perspective, for everybody to exhaust in their lives, for the, for the Holy Spirit to exhaust in every person's life every ounce of enjoyment and meaning and profit and good that God intends for the church. Now, I'm not talking about the world's definition of good, the world's definition of profit. But wouldn't you agree? If the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in us as individuals for God's glory, when that happens in the church at the level God for intends, intends it to happen, from God's definition, it's going to be good for everybody, isn't it? Every individual need is going to be met when a church operates this way. But there's an issue. If you have your text open, I didn't give it to the boys, but look, look up back up in verse 1. It says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, and on and on he goes there. Listen, the whole point, uh, one of the key perspectives and in, in, in motifs in 1 Corinthians is this. He says, you've been saved, but you're acting like you're still a pagan. You've sat at the table of the Lord, but you still act like you're eating at the table of demons. You've been instructed about spiritual gifts, but you're thinking like an idol worshiper. Selfish, right? Selfish. The number one sin in our lives and our minds and our bodies and our flesh is selfishness, wouldn't you agree? How do you know if you're starting to win the battle against selfishness? 
I shared this recently with some teenagers. How do you know when you're winning the battle? You're starting to win it. You'll never fully win it till you get to glory. But how do you know when you're starting to win the battle against selfishness? Well, somebody takes a pic of you and your friends or you and your family, and they show you the pic, who do you look at first? If you look at yourself first, pretty much exclusively, you're still one of the most selfish people on the face of the earth. Just like me. Although I usually look at my wife first, because if I put out a picture that she didn't look good in, I'm in big (laughs) trouble. Right, guys? Okay, you know what I'm saying? My mom says she started to conquer it when she had her first grandkid. Selfishness started to be conquered a little bit. Then in pictures, she started to go to those grandkids first instead of herself first. I hope it doesn't take that much longer for all of us. But that's an indication that you and I are still infected with with the curse, with the sin of selfishness. Who do you look for first in that photo? Let's continue in the text. The problem, he said, is you're thinking like pagans. You're ignorant. Verse 8. To each one, to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another person, another one, another individual, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Now verse 11, watch this. All these are the work, by the way, the word for work there in most other places in 1 Corinthians 12 is from which we get our word energy. Energeo is the word. Notice it says, all these are the energies. And and the word for energy there, it's got a kind of a goofy uh, piece of grammar in it. It literally means not just a piece of energy or turn on the switch and get some current flowing through. It, It literally points to all of the energy in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So when you quit thinking like pagans, quit thinking like the selfish people that you are because you've been bought with a price, you've been saved and redeemed and freed, and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, when you and I quit thinking like we did before we were saved, quit thinking like idol worshipers, quit letting the selfishness in our flesh and our soul take over our calendars and our checkbooks and everything that we do, when we quit thinking that way and we plug into an understanding of our spiritual gift and we let the fullness of the power and energies of the Holy Spirit come through for us, you remember what I said about verse 7 a minute ago? There's a symphony to the profit of all. There's a benefit. There's a good for everyone involved in that body. But watch this. We get so focused sometimes on on the benefits and the blessings. What did we begin with? Our primary reason to, to work and to serve in the church and to be filled with the energies of the Holy Spirit and accomplish the tasks of those spiritual gifts, our primary Goal in doing that is for the glory of God. So, what about that? I hope the text is clear. The text is clear. Each one, that's what I wanted to point out. Look at verse 7. Well, verse 6, but it's a different phrase. It's kind of a play on words in the Greek text at the end of verse 6. Notice in my copy of the NIV, it says, works all of them in all men. There's There's a crazy play on words that it's not it's hard to get it it says to each and every man all of them kind of a thing it's it's kind of like those four negatives in hebrews where god says i will never leave you nor forsake you you remember that 
There's, a, there's four negatives in there. Here there's kind of a goofy, each of you and all of you, all, you all at the same time. There's some alls in there in that text. So it's God working, it's God's energy, the fullness of his energies in each of us in this room and in the body and to all of us at the same time. Does that make sense? And then verse seven, now to each one, to each one, the word here gets a little bit more specific. So the first phrase is kind of like the forest and the phrase in verse seven is kind of like the trees. Does that make sense? You all, y'all, we kind of got that right in Texas. All of you, the full body of Christ, but not just from a 30,000 foot view where it, it just looks like, you know, a bunch of dots. But from the up close and personal view, each one of you, it's like, it's like the Lord has corrected our pagan thinking. And the Holy Spirit takes us by the shoulders and he stares us right in the face and he goes, do you understand that you were created by me and for me and for my glory. And I've empowered you with the full energies of my Holy Spirit to use your spiritual gift for the prophet, for the symphony of the body. It's like God sits us down, each one. Any of you know what I'm talking about, being sat down and looked in the eyeballs? I got over 100 swats in the seventh grade at Crockett Junior High. Everyone that had a paddle at one time or another sat me down and looked at me, and do you understand? It's not that negative thing. It's God sitting us down and taking us by the shoulders, really taking us by the soul, and saying, you were created by me and for me and for my glory. And I have empowered you, and I will continue to empower you, empower you with the full energies of the Holy Spirit. If you'll just say yes and get into the ministries of my church, of my body. Each one of you and all of us at the same time. i got to tell you a story. I know it's shocking that I've got to tell you a story. <laughs> we, we love Disney World. Some of you know that. We love Disney World. Danette's mom and dad took us in Amberley when Amberley was, maybe she was like six, I think. She had just turned six in like March and and, and we, we went to Disney World. That was our first time to ever go together. We just, we just had a blast. My father and I played, uh, played golf, and we, we did the rides, and we, we got introduced to Disney World. I've been back over 20 times since then. Jeanette and the girls have been back 15 or 16 times. It's, it's really bizarre, but I've been there on some business trips, and I usually go and get them stuff, and I'll go ride my favorite rides. And I always feel kind of like a, you know, a freak or somebody that should be arrested or something for <laughs> for being at Disney World without kids. But Jeanette and I got to go a few months ago just by ourselves, and we had a really good time together. But we know almost everything there is to know about, about Disney World. I mean, we, we, we love Disney World. We, don't, we save up. We don't mind giving them our money. We like to stay on property. We stay almost someplace different almost every time. We've stayed at a few doubles, double ups, but almost every time we've stayed at someplace different. We know the best golf courses. We want times to go early and what times to pull out and take a nap. We know what times to get there, you know, uh, in the evening to get ready for dinner. We know our favorite places where we can dress up for dinner, but not sweat too much on the walk there off the bus or the, or the tram. We, we, we know when to get at certain rides once you've exhausted your fast passes. and We know where to stand in line. We love Disney World. And can I tell you something? One time we saved up, my brother-in-law and sister got the lodging. So we saved up and took all the grandkids and my mom, and we got a VIP host. And he, he, we had him for eight hours. 
We got to cut through, you know, back hallways and behind fences. And he, we got cuts at Anna and Elsa for photos. You know what I'm saying? We got cuts there. It was worth the cost of the VIP tour. Just right there. He put us in a van from Magic Kingdom. We took some back roads and we saw some stuff you never get to see. And then he took us inside the gates, inside uh, Disney Studios. And we took a shortcut over to the Rock and Roller Coaster. We got to see some stuff behind the scenes. And it was really weird. You've probably heard that the characters, even behind the scenes, they have to stay in character until every piece of clothing and every ounce of makeup is removed from their body. And only then can they exit character that they're in. That's a little creepy, too. I just got to tell you that. Um, saw a guy with like half makeup on, and you know, he's talking like his character. But, but we love Disney World. We love giving them our money. We love the customer service. I wasn't going to say this, but I can't resist. One time we're watching the parade, and the family comes through with, the, you know, with a live horse, and the live horse drops a live bomb on the ground. And out of nowhere, it's like Al from, you know, from that old TV show, uh, Quantum Leap. Al just materializes like a hologram, and he's got a bucket and a scooper. And he flips the lid, and he scoops the horses. You know what I mean. You're from Bushland. And he puts it in there, and he sprays it with water, and he mops it, and then he dries it, and he's gone, and he disappears. And the parade continued, and nobody, nobody stepped in the stuff, and nobody tripped over the guy. And we love the customer service at Disney World. We, you didn't even get a whiff of that that day. We love the fact there that everybody knows everything. You can ask anybody, no matter what their job is, from parking attendant all the way to ride operator or character that can talk, you can ask them where anything is, and they know where everything is at every park, where every restroom is, where every ride is, where every show is, the shortest routes, the best routes. They know everything about everybody. Why am I telling you this story? We have a great church at the church at Bushland and a great pastor and great staff. And on our worst day in worship, when there's a ringing in our ears, it's better than the best day at some churches, right? Would you agree? You encourage Paxson afterwards. But some of you treat the church at Bushland like me and my family treat Disney World. You'll give your money and you'll enjoy the great teaching and the great worship and the great customer service back there with your babies and your preschoolers, and your children. You love the camps and you trust the security and the safety of this place. But can I tell you something? It's okay to treat Disney World the way the Carters do, but the Church of Bushland was created by God for God for the glory of God. And it's your job not just to give your money. And I'm not trying to get in trouble with the pastor. If all you ever do is write a check, we'll invest it for God's glory and say thank you. But it's time for you to recognize that you've been given a spiritual gift for the glory of God, and you've been given the full energies of the Holy Spirit inside of you to accomplish and use that gift. And it's time for you to treat the church at Bushland like the church and not like an amusement park in Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Are you with me? You with me? Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Also, I want to mention this earlier. The word there for profit for all, for common good, to the benefit of everyone, is the word symphoneo. We get our word symphony, symphony from there. Symphony. Any of you ever, can I show you your hands? Any of you ever been to a symphony, even if it's a small symphony or a big one? Anybody raise your hands up high and look around. It's good stuff, isn't it? I mean, you got, the, you got the brass and the percussion and the woodwinds and the strings and, 
and all that kind of stuff. It's, pre- it's pretty good stuff, isn't it? One of my favorite pieces is the 1812 Overture, the Overture of 1812. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I love that. Bomb, bomb, right? Was that, was that good? And I, I like the symbol. Bonch, 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 bomb, bomb. Now, how many of you would pay me money to see me do the full 1812 Overture? Anybody? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Back in the back. Thank you. I see that hand. Maybe not so much. Let's see if this video works out good. Turn it up. That's pretty good, huh? How many of you like that version better than my version? Anybody? <laughs> Only two of you. That's awesome. Did you hear it? There, it's, it's a big thing on YouTube. That's from the early 90s in Vienna. That was Tchaikovsky with the, with the hair flapping thing there. Uh, that's from the early 90s. There's a full choir with every part on the singing parts. I mean, there's no gaps in first and second sopranos and all that stuff. There's a full... There's, there's a full set of, of brass and woodwinds and percussion. There's guys shooting off fireworks. They're in that outdoor theater in Vienna. Um, there's, there's fireworks going off with perfect timing. God intends for the church to work like that, not like my little display up here on the front of the stage. God wants to, for His glory, God wants to set up a symphony at the church at Bushel, where there is no missing part. There's no one missing behind the scenes on the technology. There's no one shooting off the pyro that's missing. There's no one in the choir, no one in the orchestra. No one is missing. God intends for you to quit thinking like like you did before you were saved and to recognize He's given you a spiritual gift. And He wants you to play your part and his symphony in this place for his glory. Can I tell you something? When God gets glorified in every part of his church, people get saved. People get healed in their relationships and their bodies and their checkbooks. Boys and girls grow up in the grace of God in such a way that they are ready to accomplish their purpose for the glory of God in their lives. We don't want to motivate you with guilt. We want to motivate you with the glory of God, and we're asking you to step up and do your part. You can start today by walking down the hall and talking to somebody at a ministry booth. They're all out there. You can email 
one of our staff or pastors, one of our ministry assistants, you can shoot us a text and say, I'm not sure what my spiritual gift is, much less how to let the full energies of the Holy Spirit work through me. And we will walk with you and help you discover your spiritual gift and see you apply that with the burden of your heart for the glory of God in our church. Will you step up today and play your part in God's symphony at the church at Bushland? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and praise you today for the opportunity to just hear your word. Thank you, for, Father, for just how you've ministered this morning on this campus back in our preschool and our children's ministry area, the Bible study groups that have met this morning and those that will meet tonight and Wednesday, tomorrow night, Monday night. God, all, all of these ministry opportunities, we thank you for these folks who are serving and leading. And God, we're not too arrogant as a staff to think that we know every ministry that you've purposed for this church. There's some people that we know who are sitting in this room that you intend to do something for your glory and in your kingdom and in this church that we don't even understand yet. God, as our altar couples are down here this morning to pray with folks, I pray there would be some folks that would just respond and say, pray for me. I know I'm saved, but I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Help me begin that journey to knowing my gift and understanding its application in this church. Father, if there's some folks who are here that said, well, I said something to somebody one time about serving and nobody ever got back with me. God, help them to forgive us and help them to step out and not let anything or anyone get in their way of serving you. God, you don't intend for this church to be a one-man show. You intend for us, each one, to demonstrate the Spirit's power in our thoughts and our words and our actions for your glory. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would work in us so that you can work through us. And God, I pray that if there's any guilt, that you would drive it out of our thoughts and minds. We don't want guilt for a motivator. We want your glory, Father. And God, if there's someone here this morning who has laughed with the body and, and thought about the text and Father, maybe there's somebody here this morning that's just not confident that if they die, they would go to be with you in eternity. Our, our prayer couples are here to help as well. Father, if there's somebody here that says, finally, a church that is willing to step on my toes to see me get busy for God in the ministries, God, may they come and join their faith with our faith here at the Church of Bushland. We love you, Father. We thank you and praise you for this great symphony at the Church at Bushland for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 